Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today, we have a fun podcast ahead of us. We will be breaking down the Auburn versus California game, that Auburn after dark game that gave everybody the heart attacks that we have all missed from football season. But obviously, Auburn will be coming back week three against Sanford. We'll get into that a little bit later at the end of the pod. But Wheeler, why don't we just jump into it? Give us your thoughts about Cal from how the game started. You know, we were, you know, we were, me and we were watching the game together. We were watching Bama and Texas at the end of the game, waiting for it to switch back onto the channel because they were, you know, would have preferred to show Quinn Ewers just talking to the media than the first drive of the Auburn Cal game. Um, but, you know, it switched over and we just see a Cal defender running into the end zone. And we we're like, oh no, what happened? And we see the replay of Peyton Thorne just kind of throwing it into the guy's arms. But, uh, Wheeler, give us your thoughts, especially kind of the the beginning of the game, kind of how it eased in with the with the reviews, all the all the different things, all the weird feelings on those kind of first two drives, especially. Oh man, that that was just a brutal, brutal, brutal game to watch. Let me just say, three cups of coffee to watch, fourteen to ten. The most action we saw was the Obi costume, where he was riding the bear. In Cal after dark. Anyway, going back to the Peyton Thorne fumble. Yep. I mean, kind of like you said, Quinn Ewers uh, getting interviewed took precedent over our first two plays. I haven't gone back to watch him. Just based off of the box score, I don't think I missed anything. Um, You know, of the turnovers on the night, normally we are not uh, excuse makers for turnovers. We normally, you know, it's just your fault. I got to say. To have four turnovers on the night, I feel like we had a viable excuse on two of them. Peyton, not the smartest decision to reach the ball out. I don't think that anybody's arguing that that is the smartest decision. But I think it's totally fair to understand that he's trying to get the first down. He feels like this is a big play in the game. He was obviously really hyped up for the game, probably too hyped up to the point where he wasn't thinking clearly. I think we saw that throughout the first the entire first half and honestly in the second half. So not making an excuse, but you know, it happens. We'll get into the Demar or the uh yeah, the Damari fumble later. You know, it looked like he might have gotten a concussion, but he got the medical bell wrong. Um so shout out to how he somehow made it back into the game. Anyway, I, I think that those are both just I mean, that's how football happens. Anyway, um Going through the first half, um, you could tell from the beginning that the defense was going to have a great game by the fact that they were able to hold to a field goal 
Uh, I think a lot of Auburn fans are still overlooking the fact that their field goal kicker was trash. I mean, yes, Auburn had a great defensive game, don't get me wrong, but if you play a halfway, halfway decent kicker, the score is going to be just a little bit higher than what you see. As for the offense, I think when you look back at it, yes, it's a challenge, okay? It's a challenge to see 14 points on the board. You don't want to see 94 yards passing. But when you watch what was happening, I think part of what was happening is, first of all, the running game couldn't get going because you kept turning the ball over. You kept fumbling the ball. You couldn't get the passing game going, honestly, because the running game was working until third down, and then they're trying to pass the ball, and you only run 55 offensive plays because of the turnovers. You can't get into your game plan that way. So the whole night was just a miscombobulated night. I don't think it's a fair assessment of the offense. I think it's fair to say that the offense is not going to be a strong suit of the team. I, I think that's incredibly fair. I don't think that the offense is near as bad as they showed on Saturday. I don't. There's nothing else that could happen that's worse. You're not going to have more than four turnovers in a game. You're not going to run less than 55 plays in a game. Um, I think you saw the worst that you could possibly see, and I don't think it was all talent. I think it was partially a late-night game, partially turnovers, and partially just bad luck sometimes, and penalties. You cannot have penalties. There were a couple of running plays that were really good that you know the running stats are going to look a whole lot better if they don't get called back. I can think of two runs where – as Avion Miller ends up tackling somebody downfield and he gets called for a hold. I thought the offensive line played really, really well, actually. I think everybody, you know, you remember the plays that they don't play well, and you remember the play where I think it was Miller again where he got cooked by a defensive end um, over it, right tackle. And, I mean, you should it shouldn't happen, but, again, you can't say that the offensive line had a bad game because there was one blown protection by one dude. Like, that's just not fair. So that was my overall assessment. Noble, what'd you see? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with a lot of what you were saying. I think that from a passing perspective, Peyton Thorne looked extremely uncomfortable from the start. I think that's really where the root of my concern was, was how a guy in his third year as a Power 5 starter was – so rattled, you know, like you just, you saw, I mean, you can obviously, you don't want to read too much into facial expressions, but when they would show him, he looked terrified. And obviously his play didn't necessarily disagree with that, that, you know, conclusion. So Peyton Thorne was definitely concerned, had 94 yards passing, nine for 14, um, you know, on his attempts, but it just felt like there was so much less than that. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I would venture to guess over half of that is from the one drive that, Auburn ended up scoring on, which kind of included, you know, the third and 17 throw to Rivaldo Fairweather. That wasn't exactly, you know, just put on the money. But I, I definitely think that the offense, this is my opinion. I think it's the worst game that we will ever see this offense play. Um, I think that that was the biggest problem. I think that when it came to running the ball, no one could really get into a groove. I really liked that we saw Jeremiah Cobb come in, you know, kind of a new face. He ended up making some plays, saw them, you know, call the reverse. The reverse looked good, worked. Obviously, it got called back. And I think that, that was the big thing is every time you got something to work, something made it not work, whether it was a penalty, whether it was a turnover, wrecking momentum. And this might be a hot take, but, you know, after the the first touchdown, 
when, you know, Damari gets a couple carries, Auburn's driving, and then Damari gets his bell rung, he gets hurt, and it looks like he has a concussion. He has that kind of look where he's kind of losing the ball, and when he falls on the ground, he just kind of sits there. He looks a little glazed over. The training staff talks with him. Obviously, Cal recovers that fumble, and the whole game kind of changes. It felt like Auburn's offense was rolling in that moment. And if Auburn scores on that drive, you have all the momentum you're winning by. I think it would have been 11 at that point because Cal ended up scoring on the the ensuing drive. So then I think that that's really – if Auburn was in a groove, Auburn blows the doors off this one. But obviously that's not what happened. Ended up having a nail-biter. When it came to your assessment on the defense, I really did agree with that. And I think, you know, the defense got a ton of – you know, criticism and concern in the first week. And, you know, deservedly so, I think. They they did pose a little bit of concerns, but they definitely answered all of those. Jaden Ott talked a huge game. Ended up, you know, 20 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 3.9 yards a carry, which if you can hold a top running back and uh, the focal point of a team's offense to those kind of numbers, you did your job. And obviously, it's not ideal. You know, some of the plays weren't great, but that's in any defense. But it also is nice – Cal scored all their points off of turnovers. And while it's a concern for the offense, it's positive for the defense that when you gave the defense a fair hand and told the other team, hey, drive the length of the field and score a touchdown, they couldn't do it. And obviously the kicker, you know, couldn't make a field goal to save his life. But even then, Cal wasn't able to score touchdowns. And every time they were even in the red zone and it looked like there would be an easy field goal, you know, Jalen McLeod had a sack uh, that backed him up a little bit. Eugene Asante had that huge sack on third down. And, you know, that's to be credited to the defense. Like you made the kick tougher and the kicker missed it. You know, who's to say that, you know, if those sacks don't happen, the kicker's seven yards closer. What if he makes it, you know? So that's all those go and go into effect and the game could have been very different. So obviously, Great praise to the defense. That unit really did step up, especially, you know, we talked about him a lot last week. Kay and Lee just played out of his mind, played really well. He did have the one penalty late in the game that, you know, it's like we said last week, if you're going to start a true freshman, he's going to make true freshman mistakes that, you know, Nehemiah Pritchett's not going to make. But obviously, if those are the mistakes they're making, it's the same thing I said last week, it's fixable. And Kane Lee, he made the right reads on, you know, when he's crashing in, if they're blitzing him. And, you know, next time if he hits a guy out of bounds, he'll remember, hey, it's not like high school. I can't throw him down. I remember in the Cal game, I cost my team 15 yards. He's going to remember that. And he's he's going to continue to grow. They tried to pick on him early and he he really showed up and, and showed out. So definitely was I definitely thought there were some things to be encouraged by. But I do think that there were a lot of things to be concerned by. And so I'll kind of flip that into your what were the the biggest things that really concerned you from a player perspective? And then on the flip side, from a coaching perspective, something that the coaching staff did that really made you concerned for how the rest of the season might play out. So I think linebacker depth is a concern right now. Yeah. I mean, Eugene Asante, obviously. I mean, anybody watching the game knows that Eugene had game of his life. Um Larry Nixon got injured during the game. He was out. Um, even looking at your nickel, you got Donovan Kaufman out with a uh, concussion. concussion this week. So I think just keeping an eye on the fact that Austin Keys had to have a procedure done on his hand. I think they said his thumb. And then uh, Larry Nixon, I saw somewhere that he had surgery done, but I also saw that he was practicing this week. So unsure as to what the status of Larry Nixon is, I thought that he played an underrated game. 
I really do. I think that everybody, obvious, and justifiably so, Eugene Asante was making the plays. I thought that Larry Nixon did a great job as a second linebacker, just being in position to allow a playmaker to go make plays and there not being a hole behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's an underrated skill set. And you kind of saw that last year and the year before with uh, Owen Papo and Zacoby McClain. You had times where when Owen got hurt, Zacoby would try and go and make that play and they'd make a cutback. Because you had, uh, you know, Steiner might be out of position sometimes or just didn't fill the right gap. Mm-hmm. And so having that experienced guy behind you to kind of make sure that you're covered when you go to make that play um, was huge. Coaching staff-wise, I I think the biggest concern that we see is the quarterback is clearly unsettled. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I mean, coming out today, Hugh Freeze even said that Holden is the best one to run the entire offense with, or he said Peyton Thorne is the best one to run the whole offense with Holden and Robbie nipping at his heels. Okay. You don't typically hear going into week three, your coach saying, look, someone's nipping at someone's heels. That's what you say in week one of fall camp. Typically, You don't typically hear that this late into the season. I don't think he's found his quarterback, but we said before the season, we said, I don't think Peyton Thorne's going to be the starter all the way through. And I think the reason Peyton Thorne is the starter is so that you don't have four turnovers in a game and you don't throw for 94 yards. That being said, Robbie throws one downfield pass and he throws it back across his body into triple coverage. And you're like, I understand. I know what you're trying. You're trying to, you're in there to make a spark. It's third down. You're just trying to get something to happen. But sometimes you just got to take the L. Mm -hmm. Like if it wasn't there, I know it's a frustrating night on offense. And you know what? I bet sitting back and in the film room, Robbie's saying the same thing. He's saying, yeah, coach, I know. I shouldn't have made that throw. Walking off to the field, he's probably saying that. But the problem is, can you count that he's going to not feel that sense of urgency in future games where he goes, while he's on the field, oh, man, I'm going to make this play. And then as soon as he makes, he goes, man, that was a dumb decision. You know, and so I think that's where he is right now is – we're in the same place as fall camp. I don't think they think Thorne's a great option, but I think that they just think the other options are infinitely more scary. If he comes out and throws interceptions against Sanford, though, Thorne, he's getting benched. I can just tell you right now, like, there is no advantage to having him on the field. If he throws another interception against this inferior of a team after the performance that he put out there on Saturday, he's done. Um, I think it's – a difficult situation for him to try and have to go out and win the job the way that he is. But at the same time, I don't think that that is to blame for his performances. Like if he were a good quarterback, he would have won the job early on. It was basically given to him, but Hugh was had it for him. He even gave him an entire scrimmage saying, look, they're nipping at your heels. I'm just going to go ahead and name you the starter so you can feel confident. And everybody says, oh, well, he did the, he was able to lead Michigan State to this. The amount of pressure he had on him at Michigan State when he had a running back who was the first running back in a while that they wanted to go represent for the Heisman was so low. And Jarquez and Damari, they're good backs. But in the SEC, you have to be able to throw the ball more effectively. Mm-hmm. And I just think right now, it, he looks, I think you said it right, he looks rattled. And so I think my biggest concern is with the coaching what they're even going to do with the quarterbacks. I don't necessarily think it's a concern that I think they're doing the wrong thing. I think that it's a concern of what do you do? Like even fans, I think are like, what are we like? 
nobody's confident. Like, if you do this, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like there's just a great option. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I really, you know, even with the, you know, the running backs, it's like, yeah, like the running backs are great. But even then, Damari's a guy that really is starting to see for the first time in his college career in his second year in college, like, okay, I'm getting carries. I'm a guy. I'm going to be playing every game and getting and being expected to do things. And so that's an adjustment for him. He's having to adjust to that. And then Jarquez on the flip side, you're like, well, he hasn't played really real because he wasn't able to be in as many of the scrimmages he was you know playing today and you could tell he was a little rusty and Hugh said that in his press conference so obviously the running backs are still having to figure it out despite how much talent they have and I don't have a problem with you know the the running back room that's not an issue but I do like what you said when it was like yeah like we know Robbie can play a game and throw for 94 yards and turn the ball over twice we know he can do that and so if Peyton Thorne isn't giving – if it's, if he's doing the same thing and he's, he's not giving us a reason as to doing things that we know Robbie can't do, it's like, all right, like, where's the where's the discussion? And I do the, – the tough thing with Robbie, though, is he got to a point last season where he he played every game, he got better every game, he had a big turnover problem earlier in the season. By the end of the year, he was making smart plays. By that Iron Bowl – he wasn't trying to force that much. He was able to take plays that weren't going anywhere. He was able to end a drive and be like, hey, wasn't our drive. We're going to be at it next time. It seems like that part of his mind is gone right now because he's trying, you know, and, you know, he he knows the stats. He knows that he needs to be able to prove that he can throw the ball to be effective. And it's not easy when you look at your stat sheet and two games in, you have three passing yards on the season. And you're supposed to be a quarterback that's playing in the SEC. And so he comes in, and it's a difficult moment. And, yeah, he's trying to force something. And you saw it. As soon as he let the ball go, you're like, no, don't throw that. That's not a good decision. And luckily, the cow got it went straight through his hands, and he didn't catch it, and it didn't bite Auburn too bad. But you could tell, and you were like, dang, that was what he lost last season. That was what he lost about halfway through his time as a starter, where he it, it flipped, where he was like, I'm going to make smart decisions, and he can see it. And now you're like, dang, he's trying to win the job, and he's not making those decisions. I think halfway through the season is about when you knew T.J. Finley had checked out mentally. Yeah. And Robbie was like, oh, they're not benching me. And he made smarter decisions then. Mm-hmm. And I think it's – just like you said, he is trying. He he knows he's going to get three attempts. He ain't going to throw the ball away. Mm-hmm. If he's throwing the ball three times in a game, he's going to throw it. He's going to throw it at he, somebody. He's going to throw yeah. it at somebody and try to make a play mm-hmm. because he's like, I got three attempts at this. I'm not throwing it out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And so, I, on one hand, like, I understand, you know. Oh, I, I completely get it from a from a competitor's point of view. From a competitor you get it. and from his personal point of view, I see what he's doing. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a mystery to me. As a fan who doesn't necessarily care about who it is who's throwing the pass, mm-hmm. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, I want to see Auburn win the game. I don't care if Peyton Thorne wins the game. I don't care if Robbie wins the game. I don't care if Holden wins the game. I don't care if Jarquez comes in and plays quarterback. Like, we are looking at it from that If Chandler Cox comes back to Auburn oh, and starts throwing the, the pigskin around – We'll take it at this point. And so that's the, the coaches and the fans are looking at it from, I don't care who's doing it as long as our team is doing it. But the guys that are playing, you got to put yourself in their position and think, if I'm trying to win a job, I'm not going to do the thing that 
it might be right, but it's not exciting. It doesn't show yeah. what I can do. And I think that that's just brutal. I will be intrigued to see what the quarterback rotation looks like against Stanford if we run the red zone Robbie package or if we're just switching drives. Because honestly, I mean, against Stanford, we talked about doing a Stanford preview show, and we were just like, I mean, what is there to preview? Like, if Auburn loses to the, to Stanford, I mean, this just – it's a hellacious loss. It should never happen. Yep. It's the worst loss in Auburn program history. And then that's just a fact. Yeah. And so it's not, I mean, yes, I am. I'm overlooking Sanford. Yes. Auburn should not have to really look hard at Sanford. Mm-hmm. And if you are, you're in a really bad place as a program. Yeah. And I, I agree. And obviously, you know, they're, they're going to play football. I, I think it's going to be okay. But I think the biggest thing going back to Cal that concerns me about the, the staff is in a difficult position. I completely acknowledge that. I do think that there were moments where the play calling was very predictable, and I don't know how comfortable Philip Montgomery was calling plays for his quarterbacks. And I think it's kind of a flip side where it's like everyone talks about the quarterbacks performing. But the place that they're in, you're just kind of like, like, why don't we throw it deep? You know, like they're, they're stacking the box. Like, why don't we try and take a shot and see, you know, see if we can make those safeties back up a little bit and make take a guy out of the box and, you know, create more running lanes. But obviously the coaches have seen stuff that we're not seeing where they're like, I'm not comfortable doing that with these guys right now in the headspace that they're in. And so you just kind of have to deal with that. And they obviously see them every day in practice. They know more than we do. But it is frustrating to see that aspect of it. And also, you know, I think that, when you look at Robbie, see, I wasn't a huge fan personally, and this is just my opinion, but we called a timeout and put it, you, we put in Robbie, called a timeout, and that's happened multiple times in the first two games where you put it, you take out Peyton, you put in Robbie for, you know, red zone or a short, short yard situation package. Then you got to burn a timeout because you can't get a play call in quick enough because you just switch quarterbacks. And that's the kind of stuff that bothers me because it's worth it if you call a timeout and score. That's fine. If you tell me that ever, if we get to the red zone, we have to call a timeout to drop a play that can score. I'm, it's not ideal, but like, okay, uh, that's a worthy timeout. But it is concerning when you call a timeout, you get Robbie in there, and you run the same play that you ran last week that scored that you scored three touchdowns on. And it's like, and Cal snuffed it out. They knew what was coming. And that just doesn't, I don't know, that that made me a little frustrated as a fan because it's like we see Robbie's coming in, and we talked all last week about how we expected it's a vanilla offense. They're going to let Robbie throw it. And they just really haven't. And I don't know if that's because Robbie is just so has been so just has been struggling so much in practice that he can't hit these throws that Peyton's throwing, or if they just don't have confidence to do it in a game or what. But if you're legitimately thinking, hey, we're thinking about who we're going to start, you've got to let Robbie. And I think that's what I want to see against Sanford. Can we see Robbie? doing what Peyton's doing. Can we see him throwing back shoulder comeback routes? Can we see him throwing goes? Can we see him, you know, with option routes, RPOs? Like, is Robbie going to be that guy? Or is our offense, if we do ride with Robbie, is it going to be the triple option? We're going to throw the ball seven times a game and hope that Robbie's going to have 150 yards running on a 500-yard rushing night. And I think that that's what concerns me the most is we're not necessarily putting Robbie in the situation to do what Peyton's doing. And now I will give Peyton props. He struggled. He had the the drive, obviously. I didn't think that the throw on third and 17 to Fairweather was necessarily a great throw. I think it was just kind of a weird play. Fairweather was able to kind of just fall down where the ball was falling. Uh, so good play by him. 
who also had a fantastic night. Mm-hmm. Huge props to him. He he blocked better than he did last week. He had some catches. But then, obviously, you know, the the slant route to – I think it was either Jay Fair or Javaris Johnson uh, by Peyton Thorne was – you know, it was a good throw, good read, got, got us closer. And then, obviously, the fade route that Hugh Freeze called, corner of the end zone to Rivaldo. Fairweather made a great play on the ball, but – you do give props. The fade was about as perfect a throw as you can make on a fade route. So Thorne did have those plays that were good. His completion percentage wasn't bad. He did throw the the pick that was pretty bad. Where I mean, he skied it over Shane Hooks' head. I don't know if that was ten yards away. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly. You know, if Hooks maybe came back a little too far on that, but I think it seemed it, it just seemed a little weird. But it just all goes back to the quarterbacks and how that dynamic is going to work. And is this week going to show anything? And I think that's really my my next question to you. Do you think that this week you're even going to see anything from the offense? Do you think they give Robbie the reins? Do you think they do exactly what they did last week? Like, what do you, what do you foresee happening under the lights in Jordan here? Next I think week? it's going to be UMass part two. Honestly, I don't think they're going to do anything that's honestly worth watching. I mean, it's going to be, Peyton throwing the ball, swinging it around. The receivers are going to be open because they're a step faster than guys that go and play at Sanford. Peyton will look fine. You get in the red zone. Robbie is just going to out-athlete everybody. He's going to score touchdowns. And I think that's an unfortunate thing. Same thing with the defense. I think that the defense, the biggest threat to the defense is going to be on the first possession when it's a scripted drive. If they can stop them on the first possession, I don't see them score until we put the scrubs in. Um, But – it doesn't sound like Freeze is ready to give up on Peyton. And if you're not ready to give up on the starter, then I think you have to play like that. I don't know that you want red zone Robbie the entire time either, though. Like when you're down here, you know Robbie couldn't run in the red zone. Why would you run the power around mm-hmm. in this game? I mean, unless you're actually concerned about scoring. Um, I don't know. I What I'm hoping for is if Peyton is – I, I think even if Peyton's playing well, I think you throw Robbie out there because this is not a team that you can say, oh, he's playing well, he's figured it out. Like, a lot of guys. Jonathan Wallace looked like a very, very competent quarterback when he played New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. And I think as far as coaching, Jonathan Wallace, he can be a fine coach. As far as when getting ready to know what he was going to do the next week against Alabama and Tuscaloosa, I mean, it looked like you had replaced him with a fan from the guy who was playing against New Mexico State. You're not going to learn much in this Sanford game as to whether Peyton Thorne has figured it out or not. I think you got to give Robbie the reps, and I think you, I think you got to give Robbie the reps to figure out what it is, so that you're not doing this weird two quarterback. Let's figure it out the whole season. You need to start getting a pretty good idea of it because Texas A&M, Georgia, LSU. That's a three-game stretch that you don't want to be figuring out who the quarterback is and switching quarterbacks every other possession. Yeah. Well, and see, and what I would like to see is I don't like the I don't like the two quarterback thing in this moment. I, what I think I would like to see is give Peyton Thorne, he's your starter, right? Like you've named him the starter, he's gotten the majority of snaps. Let him be the starter and give him three to four drives where Robbie does not touch the field. And Peyton is running the offense. He's making the reads. He's doing everything for three to four drives. And then after that, hopefully you score on all of them. You know, you're up 21, 24, 28 points, ideally 21, 24, 28 to zero. And then if that happens, all right, you pull Peyton out. 
and you put Robbie in and you give him four drives and you're like, all right, we are running the offense. We're not, we're going to, you know, we're going to sub receivers, running backs, whatever, but you're going to be that you're going to be the quarterback. You're going to be playing every drive. You're going to be running the no huddle. You're going to be doing what you would be doing in a normal game. And it gives the guys a chance to get into a rhythm. It gives the receivers a chance to have a rhythm with the quarterback Gives the lineman a chance, you know, to to know what his cadence is going to be like, how long it takes him to be able to make sure everyone's set and do all that, because that is something different, you know. Just because it's not necessarily off hike, it's uh, you know off the clap, you know. Peyton is probably going to be able to get that done before Robbie because he has more experience. He's going to know where the guys are set. He's going to make the reads quicker, but you have to let them get into a groove and get into a rhythm because I think that that's the biggest difficulty is if you throw you have Peyton Thorne drive you 30 yards then you put in Robbie cuz it's third and 3 and then everything kind of gets messed up and if you do get the first down okay you might give Robbie the first down then you take him out and then all right you just put Peyton Thorne in on second and 11 and you're like all right do what you did four plays ago and get us another first down. And it's just difficult to get into that rhythm. So I would like to see a quarterback in a rhythm. I think that's the biggest thing that I want to see on against Sanford is a quarterback that's just kind of dealing. He knows what he's doing. He's making plays and he is comfortable in the offense and not just switching around all the time. And if you're going to start Peyton Thorne, Peyton Thorne needs some red zone reps, you know, like it, it, it would be nice if we can see he's in the red zone and yes, it's Sanford, but He's there. He knows what he's doing. He's making those red zone plays, and it's not just, oh, we get to the red zone, time for the Robbie QB drive. Yeah, I agree. No, I'm with you. I mean, he got the red zone reps kind of during the Cal game, but I think I think you're right. I don't think the two quarterback as many reps as Robbie's getting. I think those packages are going to have to be smaller because Peyton has shown that it really disrupts his rhythm when Robbie comes into the game. And so if you're going to be doing that, you just got to – you can't be doing the you can't be disrupting your starting quarterback that much. Mm-hmm. If he's able to handle it, everybody says, you know, think about Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. Chris Leak was able to go in there and not be disrupted by Tim Tebow coming yeah. into the game. It takes a unique skill set and it takes a guy who's supremely confident. And I just don't know that Peyton Thorne is supremely confident in his football decision making right now. Um to be being yanked for Robbie. Yeah, and if you can have Peyton Thorne run four offensive plays, put in Robbie, run two read options, put Peyton Thorne back in and tell him to throw a post and make a right read, and he does it, run a two QB offense. Because if it worked, like, if you can make that work, it's it's the ideal way to play. You know, like, that's – that is every situation – in football, you have your best players playing in that situation. But the difficult thing is, as a quarterback, it is just so difficult to do. Because I mean, like, imagine like for an offensive line, like you think that it would, you know, you think that there are guys that are not starting right now that are probably better, maybe a better run blocker, a better pass blocker than someone starting. Yeah, like ideally, we'd be able to take out, you know, one guy and put in someone else every time we're going to throw the ball. But you can't do that because it's going to get people out of a rhythm and it's just going to mess everyone up. So I think that's the biggest thing that Auburn might be able to learn this week is can we get a quarterback in a rhythm? And when they are in a rhythm, who's better? You know, who's better in this arena? Because then if we do the same thing we do again, we did against UMass and Robbie just has, you know, three, four rushing touchdowns, Peyton gets all the yards, then you go into Kyle Field. And, I mean, I, I don't want to say that Peyton Thorne's going to be rattled, but if he seemed rattled against Cal with 45,000 people in the stands, imagine 
Kyle Field with, you know, two and a half times that many people. And then we're going to ask, oh, that's not working. Well, let's put in Robbie. Well, it's like, well, Robbie's got, you know, let's say he doubles the amount of passing yards. Yeah, well, he's got six passing yards on the season. Like, we're going to expect him to make – like, that's just not – that's not fair to Robbie. It's not fair to Peyton Thorne. So, I I just think that the it's just a very difficult situation that I'm hoping Auburn gets figured out sooner or later. That that's what That's what I'm hoping. But kind of moving in later into that game – you know, we talked a little bit about the fumbles. We talked about Damari a little bit. What were your thoughts about, A, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the, the return of Jarquez Hunter, how you thought that that really impacted the offense, uh, as well as some just some other offensive guys that you kind of saw that were, you know, kind of getting into the rhythm of things and kind of just what went wrong on that offensive side besides the, you know, the the cluster that seemed to be revolving around the quarterbacks. I think that the receivers had a difficult time getting open. I think that part of the difficulty getting open is that most of our downfield passing plays were on third and 12, third and 15, and they were just playing off coverage, and it's hard to get open when they when everybody in the stadium knows you're trying to get to the sticks mm-hmm. because the guys that are getting open, I mean, running a slant route underneath the sticks from you know 10 yards away, yeah, you're open, but you're going to get tackled before you yeah. get anywhere, so that, that doesn't count. Um, I thought they had a difficult time getting open. I think that was more so situational than skill-wise. So I'm hesitant to criticize the receivers just because of the positions that they were put in. Uh, Jarquez Hunter, I think people forget, has had some issues fumbling the football while he's been at Auburn. So to see him fumble, um, not the most surprising thing. You know, it's kind of like I mentioned earlier, how Damari was flipped upside down and it looked like took a shot to the head and then fumbled. Jarquez, I know that it's the classic helmet on the ball, makes it pop out, but he tends to have he tends to have those issues of fumbling the ball, especially when trying to close out games. Mm-hmm. He, he just – I don't know. He, he t- I think he tries to get that extra yard, and especially when we're trying to close out games, when teams are letting him get that extra little bit, because they're trying to strip it, because they're trying yeah. to strip it, that's where he gets in trouble. It's almost like at the end of games, he needs to be saved from himself, and he just needs to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Demari could have scored on the last play that we ran before we started taking knees. I don't know if you've seen the, uh, if you've watched the game back, but if you watch it, I mean, the O line opens up two holes, and the one that he goes to. I understand it was the first one. He's trying to get the first down. He's trying to ice the game if he took the other one. But That's a touchdown. There is nobody there. Um, so, you know, how much different do you feel about the game? Honestly, probably not that different if it's 21 to 10 and Damari ends up. If, with, if you score on the last play of the game yeah. because of a 70-yard touchdown, if I don't think that's 70 really changing. yards. I mean, do you feel better about Damari Austin being eight carries of 120 yards when one of them was a 72-yard rush at the end? I don't think so. Uh, I think he would have ended up with more carries than Jark Westwood. He was the hot hand. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're going to – I think that's Cadillac's thing. He is a hot hand running back yeah. guy. We saw it last year with Tank and Jark West. There were games where Tank was killing it and Jark carries got pulled back. But at the same time, he doesn't care. Now, he doesn't care that Jark is the number one running back. Just like he didn't care last year, he was the number two yeah. running back. If Damari's getting the job done in a game, he's going to be the running back. If Jark is getting the job done, he'll be the running back. And honestly, I think if Jeremiah Cobb's the guy, they'll give him the ball because, I mean, yards per attempt, he's got 6.7 yards per carry. Jarquez has five. Um, 
And Demari has 6.4. I mean, Demari and Jeremiah were averaging two yards more per carry. And I think you saw the explosiveness. I think you also saw the Cal defense really creeping down when Jarquez Hunter mm-hmm. was in the game. They keyed in a lot on Jarquez Hunter. They were definitely playing to him. And I think that is a difficult situation. But, I mean, at some point, like, it's the same offensive line playing the same defense, and you've got two other running backs that are averaging about the same 6.4, 6.7, and having, you know, pretty good. I mean, Jarquez had a 20-yard run and was still averaging three yards less per carry, which, I mean, the explosiveness just was not there from him. So – that was a tough situation for Jarquez. First game back, I would expect he'll probably actually play a good bit in the Sanford game to get his legs back under him and get his confidence up before we go see him play at AM. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that this is going to be a week to kind of, you know, ease into some things. But I will say this has been something, you know, everyone freaks out about almost losing to Cal. You know, that, that's been something that has been a very, you know, constant thing. And something I just kind of want to talk about a little bit is if you look at a lot of Auburn's, you know, scare, you know, the, the scare losses, right? You know, you go back 20, you know, 2011, uh, off the top of my head, you know, the, the Utah State game, have to kick an onside kick so that you don't lose. Uh, and then I believe the next week was the win against Mississippi State with the, the big goal line stand that kept the winning streak going. And then, you know, obviously 2011 was 2011. But, you know, it was a, it was a scare, and then they followed it up with a good performance. Then you look up to, you know, 2017. They have that absolute nightmare in Clemson. Lost 14 to six. Jarrett Stidham got sacked. Everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, the offensive line's terrible." The following week, they beat Mercer by two touchdowns. It was such an ugly game. And then they go to Missouri, blow them out. Come back, play a ranked Mississippi State team, blow them out. Then 2017 really started getting its legs and being a great team. That offensive line obviously was phenomenal. Uh, 2021. You look and, you know, you have the the tough loss at Penn State, the close loss. Then you go back, play Georgia State, and you almost lose. You know, it's, you know, T.J. Finley, the legend was born. Um, <laughs> you know, and then the, the – the, But then the following week, you Germany go and – Yeah, you go into LSU and you win for the first time since 1999. So, I think that this is something almost – if you look at Auburn history, I expect this Sanford game to be kind of sloppy. You know, but typically, you know, that, that Mercer game, the uh, – the Georgia State game, there were early kicks. You know, that was, I think, played into it. Obviously, Stanford's a 6 o'clock kick, so it might be a little different. And obviously, I would love for Auburn to just beat the brains out of Stanford. That'd be great. But it wouldn't it wouldn't entirely surprise me if they, they struggle at times and maybe do something like maybe what Clemson did this past weekend where it was close for a little while and then the, the score, you know, the box score ended up being a 30-point blowout. But it was close in the first half. I could almost see that and then maybe follow it up with the real growth against Texas A&M, and that's really when you see the the strides taken. And I'd be interested to see if this team kind of follows the mantra. Obviously, we've gone back a couple different administrations, but it will be interesting to me to see how Freeze kind of deals with that. You know, and obviously it, his situation was probably even harder because it was, you know, going to California, playing a super late game, getting back at, you know, early Sunday morning, not sleeping at all. Sunday yeah. Morning, yeah, I mean, not sleeping at all Sunday night. So it, it'll be interesting to see, I think, how the team bounces back from a week like that, you know, in a game like that and the emotions that went into that, the, you know, the, the, the heart palpitations that go into that. So I'm definitely 
intrigued, even though the competition maybe isn't as high. I'm interested to see, A, how they bounce back and how kind of different personnel situations are handled more so than the actual numbers on the stat sheet. I agree. I mean, I, I think getting back at 930 in the morning the next day, and then you think about like anybody that's injured having to go in and get treatment right after that. I mean, you're not going to bed till three o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday afternoon. Then you have class, you have tests. I mean, I agree with you. What what I was saying earlier, I don't feel like that Sanford is on the same level as a Georgia State is. I agree. I mean, Georgia State ended up in a bowl game that year. Um, same thing with coming back Mercer. I think that year, that if they didn't make a bowl game, I mean, they're at least a division. This is not a division one football team. Yeah. Like, I don't care that you were tired oh, a week ago. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's just fair. athleticism. When you're playing a D1 team, it's really tactics and, like, the size with the speed. When you're going from Sanford to Auburn, the amount of speed mm-hmm. is vastly different. Yeah. And so, no, I, I mean, I agree with you. The first half might be ugly. Might not score a lot in the first quarter. By the end of the game, I, I I do not expect the game to be like the Georgia State game where we're kicking it off. We're in trouble if we're doing that again. If Sanford, we kick an onside kick, I'm I'm panicking. Yeah, no, we're I'm panicking. If we're having to win one close against Sanford, um, we're not going to go to a bowl if that's the case. That's just the fact of life. Yeah, and so and you know you kind of mentioned bowl, and obviously we're gonna you know not just really get into this, but. You are looking ahead just a little bit. You know, if you beat Sanford, you have a road trip against Texas A&M, then you have Georgia, then you have a bye, then LSU. Then after LSU, I think it goes to Ole Miss, and then you get into the, uh, you know, more meat of your SEC schedule. Um, You saw Vanderbilt. You still have a Mississippi State team that I believe just came off of an overtime win um, against Arizona, I think. I might be wrong about that. Uh, And then New Mexico State, which obviously kind of got – handled by two possessions against UMass. So obviously I don't think anyone's really freaking out about that. So you are, if you, you know, obviously you win this weekend, there are a lot of wins on your schedule where you're like, I don't see how this team loses that. And I think that now it's really just kind of getting like, all right, they're starting to take care of business and you just are so ready for that Texas A&M game. And even Texas, I don't even think Texas A&M is that good. I mean, you know, Miami obviously, you know, hung 50 on them, but it's so exciting to really see, like, all right, how are these guys going to perform? Because 2017, I remember, you know, Missouri was terrible that year, even though they had Drew Locke. Like, the team itself wasn't that good. And then that Mississippi State game, it was like, oh, I don't know. It's it's ranked on ranked. Well, you know, what's going to happen? And absolutely curb stomped them by 40. Yeah. And that was what made you think, like, okay, wow, this, this, team's, team, this team's special. Yeah. And that was when Jarrett's, like, you know, there were concerns about Jarrett Sidham. There were people in the Auburn fan base that were like, you know, what if what if Jarrett Stidham being named the starter is just kind of a a cover for, you know, for a suspension and Sean White's going to be the guy this season? You know, like there was like people don't mention that there was a little bit of a quarterback controversy with Jarrett Stidham and Sean White in 2017. And now people look back on 2017 Jarrett Stidham as a top five quarterback in Auburn history. Yeah. So, like, you know, are we going to have that same discussion with with Peyton Thorne or, or Robbie Ashford? You know, I, no. I you know, I don't. Yeah, I don't think no. so. But I do think that. It's not like, okay, we saw them play against Cal. We know what they are. Yeah. And I do think that that Texas A&M game might be the first kind of the turning of the corner of, okay, let's see what this team can be. And we're going to have to, you know, get through this week against Sanford. And obviously, you know, it's going to be a great time. It's always fun to be in Jordan here watching Auburn football. But I do think that 
the fans are getting a little antsy. And I think the players are getting antsy of like, all right, let's see what these guys can do when they're playing in a crazy environment in the SEC. And that is, I mean, that's SEC football. And not the, it's a different kind of pressure because the Cal game, the pressure is, oh my gosh, don't lose because you might not make a bowl if you lose this game. And I've traveled all this way. I can't lose. Mm. Like, I can't disappoint these people because I'm playing tight. I'm not supposed to lose to this team. Yeah. Um. And I think that that's a different kind of pressure than what you'll experience at Texas. Well, yeah, same with, you know, Jaden Ott being like, oh, like these guys aren't Auburn. And you're almost proving, no, we are. Like we we can't lose this. Exactly. So I think, you know, I think we could kind of tell from the UMass game, we started to raise red flags. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, this team is not looking very good right now. This Cal game is not going to be good. I think it's going to be same situation. It's almost like we're having our week one podcast. There's nothing that's going to happen at Sanford that is going to make me think for sure we figured things out. But I think we'll be able to get a sense of how things were learned from last week and give us a good, a better prediction for AM. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And while you aren't super confident, it does feel good where you're like, okay, we're still wondering where we are, but this time we're three and now. Yeah. And we're not 0-0 going into this week one game. And it's a 3-0 and with, you know, two to three more very probable wins on your schedule. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I think that it definitely does feel a little reminiscent of week one kind of previewing for this. But I do agree. I think the mindsets are different. I think going into this week, it's much more let's fix things and not let's show things. Yeah. So I definitely excited for that. Um, but, yeah, I'm just – just can't wait to to watch Auburn football again and move on to three and now. Yeah, should be a good week for sure. But yeah, so uh, we appreciate everyone you know listening to this. Uh, you know, with the downloads and and all that, we 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 definitely appreciate that a lot. We will be back next week, probably back to a two podcast week with a, a Sanford breakdown, kind of talking about rotational stuff that'll happen in that game, et cetera, and then a more in-depth breakdown of Texas A&M with key players and uh, Jimbo Fisher and, and all that good stuff. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening and War Eagle. War Eagle.